Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Who's excited? Who's excited about getting the band back together? Woo! Keeping it in-house. Keeping that movement moving forward. Huh? Who is pumped up? Black and gold nation. Who that nation? Saints fan, I know you're thrilled this morning. I know you're ecstatic. Your boy, the man who said he didn't want to be offensive coordinator and had to be convinced to take the job, coming back as your OC in 2023. Let's go. Let's go. Seven and ten, eight and nine. Here we come. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm sorry, Saints fan. There's going to be a lot of laughter this morning. Because this was a decision that was legitimately made by people in charge of the franchise that you love. P. Carmichael coming back for a second year. Of check down mediocre offense that averages less than 20 points a game. Ooh, go ahead and start hanging banners now. Let's go. I'm just waiting for the third thing to happen. First thing, DA was brought back. Saints said, hey, Dennis Allen's our guy. He's coming back. Number two, Pete Carmichael is being kept on staff, returning in his role as offensive coordinator. You know what the third thing is, don't you? You know what you want the third thing to be, don't you? The Red Rifle. Let's bring him back. I want to see the same thing I saw in the 2022 season just again for 2023. Let's do it. D.A. Carmichael, the Red Rifle. Oh, man. Let's get excited about that 8-9 and nine season for the 2023 year. Come on. Come on now. Let's go. Good morning. Welcome <laughs> to our B3 and company. I'm your big, bald, and beautiful host, Raymond Parch III. I'm joined inside the studios by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, and she is over the moon. When this news came out yesterday... She said, that's right. Let's have that consistency. Let's keep things going. This is the Saints family we're talking about. Got to give them another chance. You saw improvements. 
Oh. Why are you lying to these people? Oh. I didn't even respond whenever y'all brought the news to the group chat. Didn't even respond. You know, good for Pete Carmichael. The man's got a job. No, go follow Sean Payton. Good. Look, there's there's plenty of other recently fired Sean Payton disciples that he can bring <laughs> bring back and give jobs to. <laughs> Mr. Joe Lombardi uh, tops that list who was recently let go. I... I have two serious schools of thought here on this news that came out yesterday that the Saints are, in fact, bringing Pete Carmichael back. Now, there's been a slew of coordinators, in particular offensive coordinators, fired or let go parted ways, however you want to phrase it, in the past week. So did the Saints go, wow, there's a lot of other teams that are in need, right, of an OC, maybe we won't be even a top three for the best candidates for this job, and we're just going to keep it with Pete? Maybe, right? You know, because maybe you look around and your best options for another OC are a bunch of other guys that have been fired. Right? So maybe you think, hey, let's just see what happens here in year two if this team is healthy. Maybe they're saying, Pete, what if we make a change at quarterback? Because we don't know about the red rifle. I'm just being facetious. Mm-hmm. Being very mean to me. But it sure does seem like it's more of a... They loved Andy Dalton. DA and Pete loved Andy Dalton. So you're bringing both of those guys back. Sure does feel like Andy Dalton's going to be your bridge quarterback. Sure does feel that way. Sure does feel that way. Or maybe this is a, a grander plan. Maybe this is, you know what? We've been kicking the can down the road for so long. It's time to pay the piper, as Kevin Foote would like to say. We're going to get rid of these massive bad contracts that we have. We're just going to let D.A. and Pete Carmichael be lame duck coaches. And then after the 2023 season, we're going to part ways. Because there's some contracts that are going to come off the books. You're already going to part ways with Michael Thomas and that massive salary. Andres Pete could be coming off the books. You're not going to be re-signing Marcus Davenport. Cam Jordan may be retiring. Probably trade Alvin Kamara after next season if you wanted to. It feels like, hey, let's give these. On one hand, it feels like, hey, it's not fair to judge a coach and his staff off of just one year, especially when We thought we'd have Michael Thomas back, and he couldn't play. Jameis Winston got hurt. We didn't have depth in certain positions. Other guys got banged up. It's not fair. Let's give them another year and another full offseason and see what they can do. So that could be the, the rationale, because as I've said over and over again, when everyone was calling for Dennis Allen's job and everything, I said, guys, it's not going to happen. This is not how Mickey Loomis operates. It's not how Gail Benson or nor was it her late husband operate, Mr. Tom. They don't fire coaches after one year. They really don't. Because if you start getting the reputation of being a franchise that just has knee-jerk reactions and fire coaches after one season, 
the type of coaches that are going to be interested in coaching your franchise goes down. The caliber goes down. So that's just how they operate. Retaining Pete Carmichael, I'm a little surprised by. But once again, the Saints are loyal. Pete Carmichael has been with them for, what, 15 years? It's been a long time that he's been associated with this franchise. He's the longest tenured coach on staff. So, once again, you're like, hey, let's let, let's give Pete another year. But there's that other part of me that just goes, we'll see what happens. We'll let DA and Carmichael come back, run this back. Because we got bigger plans in 2024. They're going to have some significant contracts coming off the books. You already have your nice young pieces that'll still be under rookie deals. I mean, after the 2023 season, you're probably not going to have Cam Jordan. He'll probably retire or you have to make a decision there. Andres Pete gone. No Michael Thomas. There's a lot of money that's going to be freed up. Do you time this where you go, okay. And, and maybe you catch lightning in a bottle, so to speak, in DA with P. Carmichael and whatever scrub they put back there to be quarterback. Maybe they can actually make something happen. And you'll take it. You'll be like, oh, sure, great. But worst case scenario is, this team's going to mess around, be 7-10 and 10 or 8-9 and nine again. They'll get a middle of the first round draft pick. Okay. And then you have all this salary cap space, and then you just change your entire direction of your franchise by bringing in a new coach and a new staff. Which is also why I think we're going to find out a little bit more about the vision that Mickey Loomis has when we find out what they're going to get for Sean Payton. Because here's the other part of this. I've said it before. I don't believe a team's going to give up a top 10 draft pick for Sean Payton. I just don't see it. Now, if you have a draft pick in the, I don't know, 18 to 28 range, yeah. But... Why not do this? Let me throw this out at you. You tell whoever wants to uh, sign Sean Payton as their head coach this offseason, whether it's the Panthers, the Broncos, whoever it may be, go, okay, great. You know what? Why don't you just give us your second-round draft pick this year, and we'll take your first in 2024. Now... You have a little bit more perspective here. You can look at this from a bird's eye view and go, uh-oh. They're piling up picks for the same season that they get a lot of money off their books. So there's still a lot of pieces to be put together here. It's disappointing do I believe that Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen can figure out the offense not really 
Pete didn't want the job for a reason. Don't forget, Dennis Allen wanted to go after Pete Carmichael. And Pete Carmichael said, bruh, I'm good. I don't want to be the offensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints. And then they came back to him again and convinced him to be the offensive coordinator. If you have to convince someone to take a job, nine times out of ten, that person's not going to be great at their job. Not going to be great at their job. So, but also, Dennis Allen has hitched his wagon to Pete Carmichael now. So if the offense struggles again in 2023, then it's going to be a package deal where Mickey's going to be like, hey, man, you vouched for Pete. You and Pete said you guys were going to turn around the offense. It didn't happen. We got to get this franchise back on track. We've missed the playoffs three straight years. That's unacceptable here. Thank you for everything that you've done for the Saints organization, but we got to move on. That's more than likely what's going to happen. Unless Mickey does wonders with the roster and upgrades quarterback and upgrades a couple other positions. Look, the team fights hard for Dennis Allen. They play hard. They just don't execute. And the offense is pedestrian at best. Pedestrian at best. So, Pete Carmichael coming back. Hannah is thrilled. Hannah is thrilled. (laughs) Oh, Martin has already chimed in. Our buddy Martin, who's on cloud nine because his Cowboys play in the divisional round this weekend. I can hear the garbage truck backing up to the Superdome as we speak. (laughs) They're not good, man. Oh, I don't. They're not good. Bringing it back. That's our poll question of the day. How do you feel about the Saints offense with Pete Carmichael as OC? Great. We have continuity. Eh. Had too many injuries. Terrible. Go follow Peyton. Those are your options for our poll question of the day. Go vote on it. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Right now, by the way, 71% of you say terrible. (laughs) And 29% say great. We have continuity. Who voted great? We have continuity. They must have been a Cowboys fan. I must Martin must have voted on this already just to be trolling Saints fans. But keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day about Pete Carmichael. How do you feel about Saints offense with Pete Carmichael as the OC? Outstanding. Hannah's thrilled about it. She's not going to be bugged about this at all. No, not at all. I'm so excited. I'm so ready to get the lovely clips of, well, but, um, uh, but, um, well, I haven't talked to him yet, but he's injured, but I haven't talked to him yet. And, you know, Trevor Penning explaining his own injury to us because his coaches can't. And, you know, having a sense of urgency whenever we're like, I don't know, point zero zero two, Because our record is that 
Cruddy. Yeah, so excited. Thrilled. Love it. You got this. Thanks. Can't wait for them to Whoa. bring back Andy Dalton, too. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, bring him back. Yeah, keep doing what you're doing, bud. You <laughs> threw four interceptions this past game, and you keep doing what you're doing, bud. You're doing great. We got to take a timeout. It's going to be a salty Friday edition of RP3 and Company. When we come back, LSU women's basketball team had not been tested really all season. Oh, they had their hands full last night against Arkansas, but they find a way to prevail. We'll talk about that next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. RP3 is known across Acadiana as a master of the English language. You look at all the guys that they got. Clinton Anukoraru, oof, and I don't know how to pronounce this young man's name. TJ Falola. More like a master of broken English, that is. They also added an inside linebacker, Casey Wasawi. These names are killing me, man. I even practiced <laughs> last night. Me fail English? That's impossible. Now back to that silky smooth delivery of RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The number three ranked undefeated LSU women's basketball team really hadn't been tested much at all this season. Uh, there was a brief what run, if you will, against Tulane and against Southeastern where you're like, ah, they're a little vulnerable there. But they always quickly took control. Last night, they finally got tested. It took until January 19th for it to happen. But they had their hands full against a very good Arkansas team. Angel Reese breaks another record as she helps LSU fend off Arkansas 79-76. to Inside the PMAC. Reese stepped up, so did freshman guard Johnson. They both had ice water in their veins, so to speak, because the Tigers were down. They were down multiple times in this ballgame, late in this ballgame. Reese had 30 points and 19 rebounds to tie an LSU record with 19 straight double-doubles. Of course, she tied Simone Augustus. And the Tigers were able to hold off the Razorbacks 79-76 to for their 19th straight victory. Arkansas was in position in this ballgame to take the lead from LSU in the final half minute. It was a back-and-forth affair. Arkansas even led for time. But they were in position to take the lead yet again. But Aaron Barman's three-point attempt with 24 seconds left rimmed out and re-snagged the crucial rebound number 19. This is what dominant players do. When your team is having an off night, when you are getting the best possible effort and execution from your opposition, your best player has to step up. And that's what you saw last night with Angel Reese. She's been great the whole year. She's had a double-double every single game. Just every single game. 
but it wasn't about the points and the re- they needed everything she gave them last night. But in a critical moment, she got the board. She did the dirty work and got the rebound to be able to seal the win. Johnson, the freshman, also stepped up in a big way for the Tigers. She was fouled moments earlier, and she made both of her free throws. Kevin Foote would be proud to make it 77-74 with 16 seconds left. Sorry, was fouled moments later, not earlier. So you're really candidate for National Player of the Year. Comes up with the board. She's a veteran. She came to LSU with experience, transferred in from Maryland. But your freshman then steps up. So you get the vet, your best player, maybe the best player in the country, does what she's supposed to do in a critical moment, and then your freshman guard gets fouled and then goes to the line with ice water in her veins and drains both of her free throw attempts. Then she went and added two more four seconds later or four seconds left in the ball game. So four free throws down the stretch. Shout out to JPK, the OD, for keep tagging and sharing photos with us. <laughs> oh, man. Reese grabbed 13 of her rebounds on the offensive side of things, tied the LSU mark for consecutive double-doubles set by Sylvia Fowles during the 2006-2007 season. Reset afterwards, I just tried to step up and be a leader and bring our team together. Looked like Arkansas was going to win this ballgame, though. Michaela Daniels hit a three on the right wing in transition with 623 left, was up by three. Alexis Morris, who had not scored all game, tied it with a three on LSU's next possession. She also didn't start. Kill Mulkey was very, how would I say it afterwards, said, I'm paraphrasing, Alexis knows why she didn't start. We're going to leave it at that. It doesn't need to be discussed. That means someone didn't do what they were supposed to do. (laughs) Kim don't play. Kim is old school. She does not play around. But what I... The big takeaway for me for this is that LSU is finally tested by a quality opponent. Arkansas is 17-4, by the way. Two of their losses have come to LSU. This is a quality team. This is an NCAA tournament team. And you get punched in the mouth in your place. And you find a way to win. I love that. That's going to help this team when they have to play Tennessee coming up, when they have to play South Carolina next month, when they have to get prepared for the tourney. Because remember last year, thoughts of Sweet 16, Elite 8, 
and then they were upset in the second round of the NCAA tournament because they weren't really tested as much as they should have been during the regular season. Now they're getting tested. This is important. This is a great thing. Not only do you get tested, but you prevail and get the win. That's the best case scenario because now Kim can go to her team and say, great job, great job showing grit, pulling out a hard-fought victory, but it should have never came down to that because we didn't do our job. Let's get back to work. It's the perfect scenario for a hard-nosed coach like this. Kim Mulkey, Nick Saban, any of those type of coaches that are built that way, you get tested, you get pushed, you pull out the win, it's great, but because you were forced to pull out a victory against an opponent you should have beat, now you can work your team even harder. And that's exactly what Kim will be doing today during their practice session. (laughs) I can guarantee you. But the Tigers escape. Number three ranked team in the country. Remain undefeated 19-0 now in the season after last night's hard-fought 79-76 win over the Arkansas Razorbacks. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's one of them, you know. It's like, uh, you know, you're at home and you want to protect your home and you come in and I'm just proud of how we reacted. You know, the first quarter we played really well. Second quarter they kind of took over. To me, they were playing. It's not what they were doing. It was how they were doing. They were playing with more effort and all that. And we kind of, you know, we kind of questioned it at halftime. Of we, do we want to just lay down and not be aggressive and all that? And I thought uh, third and four- fourth quarter was a lot better, you know. We were more consistent with a lot more effort and stuff. So I would say, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a gutsy. I, I just think you're starting to see a, a, a team that's a little bit more confident and that is aggressive. You know, I don't think they get enough credit to know how really good they are defensively and how tough they are and all that. It, you know, we've let some games slip away. There's no reason why, you know, we shouldn't have won some of those games with their effort they had. So, you know, it's kind of ball bounced our way tonight. We've got to continue to make sure that we stay consistent. But, yeah, I think it was a, a gutsy win. That's Louisiana Raging Cajuns women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead after his team took down the Monarchs of Old Dominion. 61-51 last night inside the Cajun Dome. A good win for this UL team that is really starting to kind of come together. Gary's teams always peak later. They, They always have. If you've covered the Raging Cajun women at all over the years, you know this. His teams usually start off a little slow. He tries to figure out what his rotation's going to be. And the way they play, the style of play for Gary, it usually takes a little bit longer for them to get going. He's a defensive-minded coach. That usually takes a little while. It just does. And this year's team, because of Brandy Williams missing the season, Due to another injury, they were kind of looking at her to be the primary scorer. They had to find other young women to step up into that role. Linnea Whedon 
appears to be that player now. So it takes a little while. It just does. And last night, man, look, they started off 11-5 and advantage at the first media timeout. She did well early on, five points, three rebounds, and they held a 15-8 lead over Old Dominion at the end of the first. But then, as you heard Gary talk about, Old Dominion went on that run in the second quarter. But the Cajuns still held a lead until right at the end of the first half. They find themselves down 26-25 after the Monarchs went on a 10-0 run to close out the first half. They shot 61% in the first half, but the dreaded turnovers, 17 of them in the first half. Not optimal. Not optimal. 17 first half turnovers. I guarantee you, Gary was not happy about that. That man does not like that at all. And that led the team to have to make some adjustments at halftime. Don't be so sloppy with the basketball execute a little bit better on defense and coach broadhead talked about those adjustments that were made at the break i mean i think she kind of touched on it we tried to push the ball down the floor a little bit and they were kind of like to me they remind me of us a lot you know they play tough and all that but they were having a hard time in the defensive transition i thought of picking up everybody and it started with her running hard so now they had to go all the way to the goal they wasn't set up and picking us up at half set their defense wasn't set and so us by pushing up the ball and stuff like that, I thought we got some good looks for her. We, I mean, almost everybody got some good looks, you know, and I thought that was a big thing, helping her to get some scores and stuff. Just the offensive transition that we talk about that we could be really good at. The problem is pressing and having both, you know, you got to kind of give up one or another. And tonight we didn't press as much. So <clears throat> I think that's, that was part of the offense looking better, you know, instead of having to go five on five, we were, we were getting some four on threes and we were getting some better looks and stuff. And it starts with the defense because you got to make a miss. Once you take the ball out, you know, it's like taking the ball out. By the time you get it down, they, they set. We were getting rebounds and kicking it out. I thought the, I thought the point guards, you know, it was like, you know, Sherry Porter and, and, and D-Rise don't get enough credit, but they were pitching it ahead, and then they just were making plays, man. And to me, that's kind of our game, you know. It, it creates a lot of good look. The two teams battled it out in the third, but then the fourth came, and they kept going back and forth. It was 49-48 with 4.42 left to go. And the Cajuns just seized control of the game and never looked back. Outscored the Monarchs 12-3 over the final stretch to secure the 61-51 victory. Despite committing 27 turnovers, they pick up the win. That's something Gary will be working on heading into Saturday's game against Arkansas State. I guarantee you they'll be talking about not being sloppy with the basketball today because Coach... He does not like that big number on the stat sheet. I can guarantee you that. Whedon led the way for the Cajuns with 20 points on 8 of 15 shooting, two steals, three boards, and an assist. And now the team looks to build some more momentum as they welcome in Arkansas State on Saturday. Tip is set for 2 o'clock inside the Cajun Dome. And Broadhead was asked about Saturday's matchup against the Red Wolves. You know, it's kind of hard to understand because, man, they got some really good players. Their guard player and their post player is really good. Now, they lost some people to the transfer portal last year. Uh, one went to Oklahoma State, and I forget where the other girl, the other guard was really good. She was injured pretty much all her career. 
But I know when she was healthy, man, we just couldn't stop her, and she's not there anymore. So I think what it is, they're so young, and it's kind of even though the transfers that they have, because they're kind of getting accustomed to the, you know, it's kind of a new coach too. They got to get accustomed to the system. I don't think they're quite there, but they got some talent, you know, and sometimes it takes experience over talent to better get there, and it may take another. It might take our game. You never know. So, But, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. I mean, at least we're playing at home. Arkansas State is hard to play at Arkansas State. The Raging Cajuns men, meanwhile, they got themselves a win as well, and they were on the road taking on the Arkansas State men's basketball team. They got out a 80-71 to win over the Red Wolves. Look, they set the tone early. They outscored Arkansas State 43-30 to in the first half. Red Wolves made some halftime adjustments, made it a game in the second half, but really, Raging Cajuns were able to comfortably lead by around 10 points for the majority of the game. They shot 51.8% from the field in this ballgame. That's good. They out-rebounded Arkansas State 39-29. to They only committed 12 turnovers. Jordan Brown had himself a game. So did Themis Folks. They each posted double doubles as they opened up the game on a 19-6 run and never trailed. Never trailed. As they defeated Arkansas State 80-71. That's now five straight wins for the Raging Cajuns men's basketball team. They'll look to make it six when they travel to San Marcos to take on Texas State this Saturday. And they're doing a nice job playing away from home. You know, they started off conference play with the two road games at Coastal Carolina, at Old Dominion. They were both losses, right? But since then, they've been able to turn things around. And even before then, they were on the road at McNeese, if you remember. They've actually played 12 of 19 games away from home. Now, the back end of their schedule is going to be more opportunities there at the Cajun Dome. But fifth straight game to remain in a tie for first place with Marshall, who's really been a very surprising team. Don't forget, when Marshall comes to town in February, that'll be the night that the fabulous Cajun Chicken comes out of retirement. It'll also be senior night. That's going to be a heck of an environment inside the Cajun Dome. The win for the Cajuns also snapped a four-game losing streak to Arkansas State, believe it or not, in games played in Jonesboro. It's always a tricky place for Bob Marlin teams to play. It's a tricky place for the football team to play as well. There's something about once you cross the state line and get into Arkansas, or as my dad used to call it, Arkansas, just something happens to the Cajuns when they play in Arkansas. It just does. But there was no issue last night. They set the tone early and got the job done. Brown recorded his third 30-point game of his career and matched his career high against an SBC opponent as well, scoring 31 points on 12 of 20 shooting while grabbing a season-high tying 13 rebounds. The guy is playing like the preseason player of the year. Once again, we talked about, about LSU women's basketball Dominant players step up. It's exactly what happened. Folks, who leads the conference in assist, 
scored 13 points, dished out 11 assists, and grabbed six rebounds as well. Good, solid performance across the board for the Raging Cajuns. And when you look at their schedule, they've played so many games away from home, which I actually think Bob likes because it makes his team better. You learn a lot more about your team when you have to go on the road. You're away from home. You're away from your family. You have to figure out how to balance your class schedule because you're having to miss class time. You're going to be in the opponent's venue, which you're not usually not familiar with, especially this year because, remember, the conference expanded. If you can learn how to win on the road, you're going to be better suited for postseason basketball, whether that's the conference tournament in Pensacola or the NCAA tournament or the NIT. Cajuns are now 15-4 and four overall, 5-2 and two in the conference. They've won five straight games. They're also now 6-4 and four away from the Cajun Dome. And that's important because you got to be able to win on the road. Once again, they'll play Texas State. On Saturday in San Marcos at Strahan Arena, tip is set for 4 o'clock. And then they come back home. They're going to take on Troy next Thursday. Then Georgia Southern next Saturday night. Then it's against Texas State inside the Cajun Dome. Then Marshall. So they're going to have a four-game homestand that's going to conclude with senior night against Marshall where the Cajun Chicken will be in attendance. It's also going to be Kids Night and Our Lady of Lords Night. It's going to be a busy night. It's going to be a lot going on. It's going to be a busy night. So, Raging Cajun women, Raging Cajun men both pick up wins last night to keep things moving forward. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we're going to keep things moving forward as well with our poll question of the day. We're going to get to your comments. We'll give you an updated tally on the votes how you feeling about Pete Carmichael's coached offense. They're bringing it back. Pete's coming back. OC year number two. Get excited, Saints fans. That's all coming up right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Poll question of the day. How do you feel about the Saints offense with Pete Carmichael as OC? Yesterday, it was reported that the Saints are bringing back Saints fans' favorite offensive coordinator for another year. D.A., P. Carmichael, back together again. Another year, going to build off that 7-10 and 10 season. I'm really hoping Andy Dalton comes back as well. Make him the bridge quarterback. After there was shock and awe yesterday about the news, many of you sending me messages about it, which was phenomenal, settled in now, right? He's coming back. They're going to run it back. I, I Look, I've told you all along, Mickey Loomis, Gail Benson, they're not going to make rash decisions. They were never going to fire DA. I thought maybe they'd part ways with Pete Carmichael, but Pete has been with the franchise so long. He's part of the Saints family, so they're going to give him another year. So we asked you, how do you feel about the Saints offense with Pete Carmichael as OC? 
70% of you say terrible. Go follow Peyton. 18% say great. We have continuity. 12% say eh, had too many injuries. Let's get to some comments. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, with the number of injuries, using multiple quarterbacks, three different free agent running backs, one of your preseason wide receivers making it to the end of the season, it is fair to give him a second year. It's fair. But when they were healthy, John Paul, it was a season of frustration. How many times was Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill on the sidelines in key third down situations? How many times did they not get the ball to Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara when both of those guys were healthy? It seemingly half the season. So I get injuries play a role in this. Totally understand. And that's fair. And it's fair. But it's also fair to criticize designing plays where you don't put the ball in your playmaker's hands. And they did a terrible job of that from start to finish. Even when they had good playmakers out there on the field, they didn't get the ball in their hands. And sometimes they were even on the sideline. JPK, the OD, says, I've been thinking he would look good in black and gold for about three years now. What about Eric B.? I thought they should have hired him last season. But for whatever reason, there's a stigma around Eric Bieniemy, the Andy Reid disciple in Kansas City. He should be a head coach. That's not happening for whatever reason. Ton says, well, judging from the collective groan heard across the state when the news broke that he was staying. Look, he didn't want the position, probably still doesn't. Saints are too good for this mess to continue. Once again, remember, he didn't want the job. Hart on Twitter says, keeping Pete's OC is the canned red beans, microwavable rice with cheese equivalent of an NFL staff. And he shared Bazinga gif just for you, five names. And Martin says, I think it's a great, great move because win or lose, Sunday we will still be a contender the next few seasons, unlike the Saints. <laughs> at Hannah, five names, at least you still have the Mariners, LOL. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. That's going to do it for hour number one. Hour number two coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. Everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Coming up this hour, half an hour from right now, Eric Branch from the San Francisco Chronicle. He covers the San Francisco 49ers. will be joining us to help preview 49ers-Cowboys NFL divisional round playoff game. We'll talk more about the NFL playoffs later on this hour as well. Covered a lot of ground in hour number one. LSU women get tested finally this season 
by a very good Arkansas team. Angel Reese gets herself another double-double. Got a 19th rebound in this ballgame that was critical after a missed three-pointer by Arkansas. And then the freshman Johnson made four free throws in the last 30 seconds of the ballgame as LSU prevails, improves the 19-0 on the season, the number three ranked team in the country. The Raging Cajun men and women both picked up wins on the hardwood as well. The women at home against Old Dominion. Back and forth affair until the very end when they outscored the Monarchs by double digits down the stretch to get a hard-fought victory. Despite committing 27 turnovers, Gary Broadhead's team gets themselves a conference win. They'll look to make it two in a row on Saturday when they welcome in Arkansas State to the Cajun Dome. Speaking of Arkansas State, that's where the Raging Cajuns men played last night. They got a victory leading from start to finish, snapping a losing skid in Jonesboro. The Cajuns did. Bob Marlin's team, Jordan Brown, another 30-point performance. He had a double-double. Folks had a double-double as well. And the Cajun men now have won five in a row. After starting off conference play 0-2, Bob Marlin's team has now gone 5-0. and They'll look to make it six straight wins when they travel to San Marcos on Saturday to take on Texas State. But the big news of yesterday and really still this morning was not Pete Carmichael coming back. No, no. The big news is our guy Hart turns 38 today. Shout out to our guy Hart and shout out to him for sharing a photo of him from what I can assume is early high school or late junior high. Our guy was swagged out back in the day. But anytime you can make fun of yourself by posting old photos of what you looked like when you were younger, we support it. And also shout out to him for turning 38 years old. Hope you have a great birthday today, bud. Hope you have a tremendous weekend. Shout out to Hart. But the Pete Carmichael news is what everyone's talking about. Reports are Saints have decided to bring back Pete to be their offensive coordinator. You can't be totally surprised by this. You can be frustrated by this if you're a member of the Black and Gold Nation, Houdat Nation. I understand why you're frustrated. I understand why you'd be upset by this. But Pete has been with the franchise for a very long time. They obviously are very fond of him. They brought back Dennis Allen for another year. Pete Carmichael gets brought back for another year now. And here's the other thing. If you go out and try to get you an up-and-coming OC... That's a hot OC candidate, right? Isn't that hot OC candidate also going to be a head coaching candidate? That's the other part of this. A lot of those guys are going to be getting head coaching jobs this cycle. So who are you going to get? You're going to replace Pete Carmichael with guys who have been fired. Joe Lombardi, fired. Byron Leftwich fired. 
are any of those guys better than what Pete Carmichael brings to the table, or is it just simply a wash? Now, I know Leftwich was the OC with Tom Brady and Tampa Bay when they won the Super Bowl a few years ago, and I think Byron Leftwich can coach. I think Tampa's just a mess. But does that make you exponentially better? Probably not. And if you're the Saints, Pete knows your franchise. Pete's comfortable with your franchise. You're comfortable with him. Eh. Plus, I think there may be bigger things afoot here for the Saints. And we touched on this in hour number one, and we're going to circle back to it right now. And... This is courtesy of some information that I already knew about, but JPK, the OD, hooked me up. The upcoming 2023 season for the Saints, they're $58 million over the cap. Now, we know Mickey Loomis is a wizard. It's as if he went to Hogwarts and figured out how to manipulate the salary cap. And they still have $5 million in dead money as well. Drew's contract is finally rolled off this year. So right now, for this upcoming season, the Saints have dead money. Malcolm Jenkins' contract, $3.9 million, $500,000 for Nick Vanette, $336,000 for Ian Book, and $132,000 for Jordan Jackson. So they have $5,038,479 in dead money for this upcoming season. Guess what? They'll have $40 million. I'll say it again. $40 million in cap space for 2024 projected. $40 million in cap space for 2024. That's their projected cap space. And the salary cap may go up by that time. And they'll have no dead money. With the exception of one minor contract of $235,000. So there'll be barely any dead money for them to have to deal with. And they won't be over the salary cap. In fact, they'll be $40 million under. And that number could go up because there's other contracts that are going to be coming off. Once again, Michael Thomas is coming off the books. Andres Pete will more than likely be coming off the books. They're not going to re-sign Marcus Davenport as well. Maybe this is a strategic move for down the road. You bring back Dennis Allen. You let him bring back Pete Carmichael. You tell him, hey, get after it. Yeah, you had injuries this season. See what happens. And maybe they turn it around. We don't know. We have no idea. Maybe they will turn it around. Maybe they'll have an epiphany on how to actually use their playmakers and motivate their team and not be sloppy and actually execute their game plan. But let's say they look up. Well, guess what? If you're the Saints, bringing back Dennis Allen, bringing back Pete Carmichael, knowing that you're going to have $40 million in cap space in 2024, knowing that you're going to get something of value for Sean Payton here in the next week or so, Maybe you make sure some of those picks for Sean Payton are going to be in 2024. Because remember, rookie contracts are capped 
It's not the old wild, wild, wild west days where you can get paid $50 million if you're a top overall pick. Those days don't exist anymore. Sam Bradford, Jamarcus Russell contracts don't exist. Those guys are kind of capped at what you can pay them. Oh, so I'm going to have $40 million in cap space? Oh, can I compile a bunch of draft picks for 2024? And draft a bunch of guys that I can set at a team-friendly price point? Hmm. See how that works? And by that time, you're not going to have Thomas. Cam Jordan may be retiring or moving on by that time. Demario Davis could still be with the team. You don't know. But right now, 2024 projected to be $40 million under the cap and barely any dead money. And let's see what they get from Sean Payton. Because if Mickey Loomis says, hey, Carolina Panthers or Denver Broncos or Houston Texans, we want a first-rounder, but we also want a second-rounder in 2024. That's going to tell you everything that you need to know. Because Mickey's going to try to do this both ways. They probably realize they need to do a rebuild, but they got, they're handcuffed by their salaries. Let DA and Pete Carmichael try to coach them up. Maybe you can win the division. It'll be wide open next year. All the teams in the NFC South are garbage. Maybe they mess around and win the division, get into the playoffs. Maybe. Maybe that maybe that's what'll happen. And then you still have all that cap space and you'll have all those draft picks. And then you can do a rebuild with DA and Pete Carmichael if they can turn things around. If they can't, and they suffer another seven and ten campaign, and the same issues that plagued this team this year. Lack of discipline, lack of execution, lack of focus, pedestrian offense. Then after the 2023 season, after missing the playoffs for a third straight season, you sit down, D.A., you sit down, Pete Carmichael, say, guys, appreciate all your time. You know we love you. You're part of the Saints family. But we've missed the playoffs now three straight years. we got to go in another direction. And then you bring in a dynamic coach. You have a bunch of draft picks and you have a bunch of salary cap space. Maybe Mickey and Gail are playing the long game here. As a fan, you don't care about the long game. As a fan, you want your team to be aggressive. You want your team to win at all costs. It doesn't matter. But Mickey's been the general manager of the New Orleans Saints for a long time. A long time. And remember the last time they missed the playoffs three straight years? Remember that? Then they had that great draft class. In 2017, then they went to the playoffs, what, four straight years? Won the division four straight years? Nearly made it to a Super Bowl? I mean, just think about it that way. If the Saints miss the playoffs in 2023, that'll be three straight years. They did that not that long ago. Seven to nine, seven to nine, seven to nine. They had a great draft class, had salary cap space, and just like that, a team that was 7-9 and nine, holding its training camps up at Greenbrier turned it around and became the NFC South Division champs four straight years and a Super Bowl contender all four years because of smart drafting and some smart free agent moves. Maybe Mickey's playing the long game. 
Maybe. Hey, great. You guys can do something and turn it around, and the team can be more disciplined, and you can turn around this offense. Great. Awesome. But it feels like that's just bonus. It's lanyap if they do something really good next year. Maybe Mickey's looking at it going, hey, $40 million in cap space projected for 2024. We got draft picks coming back that year. We're going to get draft picks for Sean Payton. I got a lot of young players that are going to be still under contract. Maybe we're good. Maybe we're good treading water just a little bit again in 2023. Because then we're going to turn things around in 2024. That's our poll question of the day, Pete Carmichael. How do you feel about the Saints offense with Pete Carmichael as the OC? 73% of you say terrible. Please go follow Peyton. 15% say great. We have continuity. 12% say eh, had too many injuries. Once again, injuries did play a role, but injuries didn't play a role when they were dialing up plays and not putting the ball in their best two playmakers' hands, that's Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill. They went through stretches where they were not even remotely part of the offensive game plan. Ralph on Twitter says, I'm going to combine answer one and answer three for my answer. Terrible. We have continuity. Oh, no, we suck again. Who that forever just shared the gift? Of Charlie Murphy laughing from the Chappelle show. Cajun fan says, I think O-line coach Doug Marone has taken up the play calling. It looks like the same offense he ran when he was at Jacksonville. Oh, Doug was not a great head coach. Doug is an O-line coach, and that's what Doug is. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, we'll talk a little NFL playoffs look ahead to the weekend. That's all coming up next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, we talk about the sports you know and love. Baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer. But we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on, on the, the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. NFL divisional round is this weekend. Two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. And we have some intriguing matchups. And we're going to talk more about the Cowboys 49ers in particular. Just how the 49ers have been able to do what they've done this year with a seventh round draft pick at quarterback. And Brock Purdy when Eric Branch joins us from the San Francisco Chronicle in about 10 minutes from right now. But I want to talk about the other matchups. Jaguars Chiefs is intriguing to me. Jacksonville is kind of that team that no one really wants to face. They came on hot at the back half of the season. They had that terrible start. They were 1-6. and And Doug Peterson has figured out a way 
to rehab Trevor Lawrence in year number two. He looks like he's confident again, like he did when he was at Clemson. ATN has been running like an absolute beast for them, the former Jennings High star and Clemson star. They look good. Ingram, they have playmakers at wide receiver, running back, quarterback, and at tight end. Offensive line's pretty good as well. And for them to come on the way they did late in the season, remember, they won the division on the final week of the season. They took down the Tennessee Titans, who had been dominating the AFC North for the past few years. So they win the division, beat their rival, win the division on the very last weekend, just get in the playoffs. And then they're down 27-0 to the Los Angeles Chargers after Trevor Lawrence has four first-half interceptions. And they find a way. Rally, great come-from-behind victory at home there in Jacksonville. Now they have to go take on the Chiefs. And everyone has gone ahead and put the Chiefs in to the AFC Championship game or into the Super Bowl. I like Kansas City to win this game. Jacksonville has no one that can stop Travis Kelsey. They just don't. There's no one in the NFL that can stop Travis Kelsey. You can disrupt the Chiefs by getting to Patrick Mahomes and like they did in the Super Bowl where Mahomes was throwing passes sideways, parallel to the ground. I like Jacksonville. I like Jacksonville to keep this game close for three quarters. I think they're going to frustrate the Chiefs a little bit, but I do think Kansas City pulls away and wins this game to kick off the divisional round on Saturday. The Chiefs will have their hands full. They'll be tested for a little while, at least a half. But they'll prevail and move on to the AFC title game. The other game on Saturday, that's the nightcap. You'll be able to listen to that game live right here on the game. And that's the New York Giants versus the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know what to make of the Eagles. Did they peak too early? Jalen Hurts got banged up. They have weapons. Especially a wide receiver. Whew, they got some they got some dogs. And Sanders is a heck of a little running back as well. And Hurts can hurt you both ways, right? But they've just looked out of sorts the last month. Philly hasn't looked like the dominant team that was obviously head and shoulders above everyone else in the in the league. They've come back to earth a little bit. And now they're going to have to face off against a divisional rival for a third time. And the Giants are playing with a ton of confidence, just like the Jaguars. Giants rested their players in that regular season finale against who? Philadelphia. So yes, the Eagles beat them twice. But one time, the Giants didn't even bother to really care because they were resting for the playoffs. These two teams know each other. That familiarity plays a role. Daniel Jones is playing at a high level. He can hurt you both ways as well. They have a stud running back in Saquon Barkley. This is the game that could be the big upset special of the weekend. Giants at Eagles. I'm still going with the favorite. I'm still going with the home team, the number one overall seed here to win the game. But I believe Saturday's games 
both of the home teams and the top overall seeds in each conference are going to be tested. Philly just hasn't looked right in the last month. The Giants are playing with a ridiculous amount of confidence. I think the Eagles win, but it may not be pretty. Then that goes to Sunday. I have no idea who's going to win this game. None. Bengals, Bills. Neither one of these teams has looked good since week 17 when they had the incident with the player needing cardiac, uh, suffering cardiac arrest on the field, and they had to cancel the game. Neither one of them has looked right. If it wasn't for a couple kick return touchdowns in the regular season finale, Buffalo doesn't win that game. Cincinnati struggled against Baltimore in the regular season finale, and the Ravens were arresting players in that game as well. Neither team has looked crisp. Neither team has looked like they're executing their game plan. They don't look like they have all the focus needed. And both teams played down to division rivals in the wild card round and struggled against backup quarterbacks. In both cases, against the Ravens, against the Dolphins. I like Buffalo to win here. I think it's going to be close. I don't think either team is playing necessarily great football right now in the last few weeks. But because the game is in Orchard Park, Buffalo's going to figure out a way to harness their emotions and not get too high and win an ugly game against Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. But I would not be stunned if the Bengals win this game. Feels like a coin flip game to me, but I'm leaning towards Buffalo. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll dive deeper into divisional round weekend as we talk San Francisco 49ers football with Eric Branch of the San Francisco Chronicle. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. U.S. taxpayer expense. Do you think RP3 is the only nickname Ray has? Think again. There was Little Vaynant. There was Little Foot, Little Bubba. There was LD, which stood for Little Dufo. There was Ray Dog. There was Ray Diggity Dog. There was Fish. There was Fish Face. There was RP3. There was even Ramundo from El Segundo. Back to the host with more nicknames than he knows what to do with. RP3, right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. San Francisco 49ers, Dallas Cowboys, two of the most iconic teams in NFL history are going to face off yet again in the postseason this weekend. They are responsible for some of the most iconic moments in NFL playoff history. And to help give us a preview of the big game is a man who covers the San Francisco 49ers for the San Francisco Chronicle. Our old friend Eric Branch joins us. Eric, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you making the time. So I'm going to ask you because you cover this team. How is Shanahan making the last pick in the NFL draft look like a Pro Bowl-level quarterback? Well, I would say it helps that Shanahan, for good reason, is regarded among you know the brightest offensive minds in the NFL. And he has um, a lot to work with. 
Um, and that would include an all-pro tight end in George Kittle, an all-pro wide receiver slash running back Debo Samuel, an all-pro running back in Christian McCaffrey, a 1,000-yard receiver in Brandon Ayuk, an offensive line headlined by an all-pro left tackle in Trent Williams. Um, and even Brock Purdy has said uh, in some ways, um, you know, playing in the NFL, starting as a rookie seventh-round pick, number 262 overall, has been easier than playing at Iowa State, um, which is in the Big 12, and they don't play defense. Uh, so that that's eye-opening um, and, and just speaks to the level, you know, uh, the strength of his supporting cast, meaning Purdy, and also, you know, what Shanahan can devise um, to make it you know, as easy as possible on him. You know, with that said, you know, Purdy is something more than a, than a robo- robot, uh, you know, just throwing little dinks and dunks and, and watching guys run forever. Um, he has really flashed, you know, excellent pocket instincts. You know, his mobility and creativity uh, was on display in their wild card win against the Seahawks. You know, he does have, you know, he doesn't have John Elway's arm. Um, he doesn't look like, you know, Justin Herbert as far as his size. You know, there are some limitations, but um, I've been more and more, you know, struck by just some of his, you know, kind of special qualities that he has. And, and a lot of it has to do with just his feel for the game, his, his ability to kind of paint outside the lines um, and make off schedule play. So, um, you know, would he look like this, you know, playing for the Arizona Cardinals? No. Um, but, you know, not everyone could do what, exactly what he's doing. But here's the thing that stands out to me. You know, Shanahan is kind of a quarterback whisperer, an offensive guru, and this is a guy that's won a lot of games with Jimmy Garoppolo, and they decide, hey, we want to draft our quarterback of the future, the franchise guy, and he sits for a year to learn, Trey Lance, and then he's given the keys, he gets injured, and everyone's going, oh, man, things are about to, man, things are about to go south for the 49ers. Jimmy G steps in. They don't miss a beat. Then Jimmy G gets hurt, and a seventh round pick steps in and doesn't beat, um, doesn't miss a beat. Rather, should they have spent all those picks to go get a franchise quarterback when they can just take Jimmy Garoppolo or Brock Purdy and make them look like a franchise quarterback? Well, in retrospect, no. Uh, but you know, you know, just going going back, the reason you know, I guess one. Uh, one of the major reasons they did make the move for Lance uh, was just because of Garoppolo's injury history. And they just said, you know, we can't, because, you know, they had two seasons just kind of sunk uh, because Garoppolo wasn't healthy and they just didn't have adequate, you know, backups, which is not uncommon in the NFL um, this year, notwithstanding. Uh, and so that was part of the reason. Um, I do think, you know, if you look at who, type of quarterback Shanahan has preferred in the past, you know, going back to Kirk Cousins being perhaps the foremost example, he wants pocket passers. Um, and Trey Lance was kind of his nod to, well, okay, maybe I should join, you know, this, you know, this kind of modern day wave of, of, you know, dual threat quarterbacks, not that they haven't existed in the past, um, but a guy who could, you know, with Lance, who has the mobility to maybe take this offense to, to another level uh, with his arm and just kind of his raw skills. Um, you know, obviously, Trey Lance has not played enough for us to make any sort of determination of who he can, who he is or who he can be. But the thing is, um, as the weeks go by, it's just becoming 
to me, increasingly clear uh, that Brock Purdy will be the starting quarterback next year. I'm not sure why you would uh, mess with this. And, and then, as I said previously, it's not like he's just, you know, this guy carrying out orders. He's got some flair. He's got something to him. Um, and, you know, I think he's really on the same page uh, with Shanahan, just the way he sees the game. And, and there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, he's not Brian Hoyer, right? I mean, this guy can actually play, and it looks like he belongs in the NFL, which is astonishing to me that a guy that looks this way is, had fallen so far in the draft. But once again, it's all about fit, right? It's it's all about being developed by a certain coach who understands what your strengths are, understands what your weaknesses are, and puts you in a position to succeed. We see so many times, Eric, these teams that are bad, they'll draft a quarterback, they put all the responsibility on his shoulders to lead them to go from being a three-win team to a playoff team, and when he doesn't do it in a year and a half, they either fire the coach or they fire the coordinator or they go in a different direction. This was the perfect place for Brock Purdy to, to fall. Well, it's really a perfect place for any quarterback to fall. I mean, you have a you know tremendous run game to support you. You have a tremendous defense to support you. You know, even though they are scoring, you know, 30-plus points a game these days, they don't have to uh, to win. And then, you know, as mentioned, uh, all, all the weapons who almost all of them specialize in, in running after the catch. Um, so, you know, he can throw a, you know, a screen to McCaffrey or a six-yard slant to Debo Samuel, and it can, uh, you know, gain 50, 60 yards. That's not all he does, um, but it certainly helps him. And he's been the first to admit he's the distributor, he's the point guard, and, yeah, he doesn't have to do too much. And, you know, he's talked about how in college he, he, he felt more pressure and he often tried to do too much. And there are highlights of him throwing or lowlights of him throwing some just awful interceptions in, in college. Um, but he's harnessed that and poss- uh, largely because, you know, he a understands that's not necessary, uh, you know, because guys are often, you know, streaking wide open. He loves having those guys that are jack of all trades. He's got two running backs, a McCaffrey and a Mitchell, that can power run, run between the tackles, bust it out to the outside, and guess what? They can also catch the football. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're in a, a touchdown drive right after halftime against the Seahawks on Saturday, and you know, it, it was finished. You know, largely it, it was actually finished by a quarterback sneak by McCaffrey, but the, the four plays before that were McCaffrey between the tackles. And they weren't, um, you know, huge gains. They all, you know, totaled 15 yards. But, you know, I think on all of them, he hit someone first and then kept going. Um, so, you know, it's not news to those who um, haven't just recently joined the Niners bandwagon, but what he's shown since joining the 49ers. And, of course, no one was watching Carolina Panthers game, so this is you know, somewhat news to me, uh, was that he is, you know, that's not his bread and butter, but he can be very effective between the tackles. Um, and then Mitchell um, is goodness. Yeah. I mean, he is a real power runner. He's not exactly Earl Campbell as far as his dimensions. Um, but uh, yeah, he brings, uh, you know, physicality to the offense. That's obviously led to him getting injured quite a bit. It remains to be seen you know, if they can rely, how much they can rely on him in the future just because he's had so many injuries in his first two seasons. But uh, when healthy, he's, uh, 
he's obviously very effective. We're talking with Eric Branch of the San Francisco Chronicle. He covers the San Francisco 49ers. Once again, 49ers Cowboys will battle it out this weekend in the NFC Divisional Round. You can listen to the game live right here on the game. Eric, as much pub has gone to the quarterback and the offense in Shanahan, can we talk about just how absolutely salty that defense in particular that front seven is that the 49ers have I mean I just look at it and I go I don't understand how anyone can move the ball against them especially that front seven just how good are they yeah well you know they have an all pro they're all pro at every level uh you know you're talking about uh Mick Bosa and then linebacker Fred Warner and then safety Talanoa Hufanga um and then you know yeah, and you've mentioned Eric Armstead and, and, and Dre Greenlaw, and uh, yeah, I mean, so there's just talent all around. Um, I will say, you know, if you're trying to find like, okay, so is there a weakness? And it's all relative because it hasn't been bad, but their secondary has been. I don't know if exposed would be the right word, but you know, picked on a, a little bit late in the season. Um, and then, you know, certainly D.K. Metcalf had a day uh, in the wild card round, and, and most of it came against the Niners' top corner, Shavarius Ward. Um, but, you know, Jared Stidham, who is not, I don't know if he's even Brock Purdy. I was going to say he's not, you know, Tom Brady. But um, Jared Stidham, you know, threw for 365 yards against the Niners in a penultimate regular season game, overtime win at Las Vegas. Um, and, and so it's, they are, yes, as you said, very salty. They're the top-ranked defense for a reason. But if you can somehow, I know, easier said than done, <laughs> slow down Bosa, uh, among others, you've got a chance. Um, because, you know, Hafanga is as much of a playmaker as he's shown in, uh, to be in his first season as a starter, um, has been a little undisciplined, and his penchant for wanting to make a big play has led to, you know, big play sometimes for for the opponent um and, and then you know they had emmanuel mosley was their starting cornerback at the start of the season in october he suffered a torn acl so their other uh cornerback uh, uh, opposite ward is diameter Lenore, who has been okay but you know a, a guy that opponents have, have tried to pick on with varying degrees of success so all that said the cowboys do you know possess a decent offensive line um, and you know this is the this is the best opponent the Niners have played since you know they, their last loss, which was to the Chiefs in October. Um, if you just look at who they've played, you know, not their fault. They're, they're just playing their schedule. Uh, but I think the Cowboys are quite clearly the best team uh, that they'll have faced, and Prescott is probably the best quarterback they faced since um, they played Justin Herbert and the Chargers, um, which is about ten weeks ago. So. Um, not saying the Niners are scared. I mean, they've got a lot of things working in, in their favor. They have an extra uh, day of rest, and this will be their third straight home game. The Cowboys have a short week, and this will be their fourth straight road game. Um, so, you know, if I was a betting man, I'm not sure I'd be leading Cowboys, but, uh, you know, this will be a stringer test and what the Niners have faced during their 11-game winning streak. Eric, we'll wrap it up with this. It's going to be the final game of the divisional round weekend, uh, Cowboys at 49ers. Who is the X factor or what is going to be the X factor in this game between two of the glamour franchises in NFL history? Well, I think we just kind of touch on it. It's just like, can they slow down the pass rush? Because if you can slow down the Niners pass rush, you've got a chance, uh, you know, to work over that uh, secondary a a little. Um, 
if you can't, that doesn't mean the Cowboys are going to win because I'm not sure, you know, the Cowboys are going to uh, hold the Niners to under 30 points. Um, but this could be a fun little 37-34 game um, if they could find a way to slow, uh, you know, Boza, Armstead, and the rest. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing. I think the Cowboys, more so than most of the Niners' recent opponents, at least have a shot uh, to do it. So it should be interesting. Eric, appreciate you, Tom. As always, keep the tremendous work you're doing there for the San Francisco Chronicle, my old friend. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and we'll talk to you soon, bud. All right. Thanks for having me. Always good connecting. This weekend, you're going to be focused on all the NFL playoff action, and I understand that, fellas. But don't forget, if you need some help with taking your lady out for Valentine's Day, then look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort, a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville, a $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, also located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score those great prizes to help you with valentine's day by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com it's free it's simple so go sign up today we gotta take a time out more rp3 and company coming up right here on the game southwest louisiana sports station and your home for the lsu tigers and the world series champion houston astros poll question of the day it's about old Pete Carmichael, your favorite offensive coordinator, coming back. Woo, he and D.A. teaming up again in 2023. Can we make it a trifecta? Can we make it a trio? Can we somehow get Red Rifle back under contract? Averaging 17 points a game. Let's go. Let's go. Who's ready for more Andy Dalton Leading an offense to 17 points per game. Alvin Kamara being used as Jerome Bettis for some reason. And having undrafted rookie wide receivers drop passes. Who's ready? Let's go. Crickets. I'm sorry, your mic was breaking up. Say Crickets. that again. <laughs> Crickets, she says. Crickets. Some people are excited. Some people want to see this get ran back another year. No, I don't think they really do. They're lying to themselves. <laughs> How do you feel about the Saints offense with Pete Carmichael as OC? 71% of you say terrible. Go follow Peyton. 16% say, eh, had too many injuries. And 13% of you say, great, we have continuity. Let's go. B-Rad says, rationalize all you want. This is just dumb. Ah, it's not the decision I would have made. Or many would have made. I don't know if I would have hired Pete Carmichael as the OC to begin with. He didn't want the job to begin with. <laughs> and they had my to argument all year. They had to convince him to take the job. Look, the offense. It's 20... 23 now you have to score more than 17 points a game the way the nfl has evolved you the, the days of scoring 17 points and winning 11 games a year it does not exist that era of football does not exist if you want to see that era of football 
pay attention to the Baltimore Ravens 30 for 30 that's coming out about the uh, Super Bowl team with uh, Ray Lewis and Trent Dilfer at quarterback. That era no longer exists. You have to score points, and you have to score a bunch of them, like around 27 to 28 a game just to have a chance. You can't be dependent on your defense to do it all the time. You got to score more points. You got to do better with the play calling. You have to get the ball in your playmaker's hand. That's my biggest problem with Pete Carmichael this last season. He dialed up plays where it's third and one or third and two, and it's a big third down conversion, and Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara aren't on the field. They're your best players on offense, your best playmakers, your best chance of picking up first downs and scoring points is having Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara on the field. And there were stretches where they weren't. There were stretches in games, plural, that they simply forgot Taysom Hill even existed. That's my problem. Not the fact that they had turnovers. Not the fact that Andy Dalton is a pedestrian quarterback. No, my problem was is that you didn't put yourself in position to win games because you didn't call right plays. You got to dial up plays to get the ball in your playmaker's hands, period. And they did not do that this year. If they would have done that, they would have won 10, 11 games. Mm-hmm. They didn't do it. And that's the thing that just boggles the mind is that they didn't do that at all. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Leave your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter. we got to take a timeout. Hour number two is in the books. Hour number three, we're going to kick it off talking New Orleans Pelicans with Christian Clark of The Advocate. That's coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Coming up in half an hour from right now, Rocky Musgraves, the athletic director and baseball coach for John Melvin University, will join us talking about the challenges that comes from launching an entire athletic department for a brand new university. (laughs) It's a bit of an undertaking, as one can imagine. So we'll discuss that and how... They're trying to do some exciting things over there in Crowley. That'll be coming up half an hour from right now. But right now, we're going to discuss New Orleans Pelicans basketball. Team just can't get healthy. Just can't. Every season, there's something. Every season, there's something. And this season, it's a combination of Zion out, B.I. out, and Herb Jones out. Yet, this team is staying afloat. It hasn't always looked pretty in the last month, but they're still one of the top four best teams in the NBA. And to give us the latest updates involving the New Orleans Pelicans, 
is our old friend from the advocate and nola.com christian clark joins us christian good morning bud how are you hey man i'm, I'm doing great i'm doing great i i mean it is hard to believe that they're i guess they fell down to fourth but that they're still a fourth place team with all these dudes out of the lineup it is phenomenal <laughs> it's just it's just it, and part of it is because right christian the western conference is wide open this year it definitely feels that way and they had such the great start to the season, but credit Willie Green. He's getting the most out of a lot of these guys who are really role players being forced into far larger roles, especially here the last month. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, I think depth has kind of been this through the Pelican season so far. You know, your, your Jose Alvarado's, your Nash Marshalls, uh, your Trey Murphy's, like the list kind of goes on and on and on. But I think lately we are seeing a few sides of strain. I mean, I think you can only ask those guys to play above their level for, for so long. And I just, I don't think they can do it for an entire 82 game. So, I mean, I, I think you know, a lot of those guys, like the, the unheralded players have gotten the Pelicans to this point, but it feels like, you know, we've, we're seeing like signs of stress lately. Well, you're seeing what their real limitations are. You know, it, it, some guys are built and their skill set is as a role player and you're being forced to put them into roles where maybe they're not comfortable or they're just their skill sets just don't match up. One of those guys, though, that has really kind of thrived with extra responsibility, extra playing time is Najee Marshall. He went from being their sixth man, which I thought was a great role for him on this team, Christian, to now being a starter, especially after Zion got hurt. And he's really kind of stepped up. He's, you know, been consistent. Uh, how surprising is it the way Najee Marshall's been able to adjust from six-man to starter? Yeah, I mean, I think he's probably been the single big, biggest surprise of, of this Pelican season. Um, I mean, honestly, he was he was just out of the rotation for, you know, a good chunk of that season last year. Um, I mean, I think it was a question of, is he even going to be a rotation guy coming into this year? And he's proved it unquestionably, yes. And, you know, they've used, even used him as a starter a lot with, with a lot of these guys out. And and to your point, he has played really well in that role. Um, I mean, Najee, really good on-ball defender. You know, I think the, the Pelicans have had a top-ten defense all season long. You know, Najee is one of the guys who's played an important part of that. Um, guy can put the ball on the floor, too. Like, he can really make some plays off the dribble. If you watch him at all, Xavier, his last year there, they basically – you know, like used him on the ball as kind of like their lead guard. Like he has some creation ability, and he's knocking enough—he's knocking down enough threes to keep keep the defense honest too. So, you know, just a guy who does a lot of things pretty well and doesn't have very many weaknesses. Najee's played uh, well, and and they've used a combination it appears to me of Jackson and Willie, kind of splitting up time, so to speak. Why do you think Willie Green's gone with that approach instead of just letting one guy be the primary big fella coming off the bench? Yeah, I mean, I feel like neither of them has really run away with that backup center job. And and really, you know, the, the Pelicans' primary backup center this year has been Larry Nance Jr. And I think I, I thought Larry was excellent at the start of the season. I think, you know, he slowed that a little bit as the season has gone along. I think you have to wonder – how much the injury stuff has played a part in that. Like when I watch him now, I'm like, you look, it looks like your shoulder is in a lot of pain. Like to me, he looks like a guy where injuries are affecting him a little bit. 
Um, but when they do slide Larry over to power forward and they go with either you know Jackson or Billy, ne- neither have really just just run away with it. You know, Billy I think is a really talented offensive player. He has some defensive limitations, can struggle to guard in space, and then you know Jackson Hayes will do something that you've never seen on a basketball court before. But it's sandwiched in between five players that are like, well, what were you thinking there? You know, Kyra Lewis has been slowed, right, because of the injury and, and, and everything like that. But it, does, it doesn't seem like he's getting a lot of playing time even when he is healthy and, you know, they're depleted. Is he just not part of what they're wanting to do? Does he just not, you know, mesh with what Willie Green expects a guard to do? I, I just – I find that to be a little curious. Not that it's a bad thing, it's just – yeah, Kyra's healthy, and he's really not even seeing the court. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the position where you could get a minutes are are those Devontae Graham minutes, right? Like, it could either right. be him or Kyra at that spot when they go with the two small guards on the floor. Um, you know, Willie has, has stuck with Devontae Graham. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. It's it, I, I, I think, you know, I would certainly be interested in, in seeing him you know, get a little bit of that run. I mean, I guess one thing you could say is that the Pelicans already don't have a ton of outside shooting, and, and Devontae's one of the few guys in the roster where you could say that's probably his biggest strength, although, you know, he hasn't shot it great or anything like that this season. Um, but, you know, we, here we are in, what is it, year three, year four of Kyra, and the ACL injury played a big part in it, but I feel like I just don't even – really know what he is just because I haven't I haven't seen it very much we're talking with Christian Clark of the advocate Nola.com. he covers New Orleans Pelicans he joins us here on RP3 and company so this team is, is is trying to stay afloat while three of their starters are out and two of them being all-stars which for any team that's going to be an immense challenge where do we stand on Herb Jones when can we expect to see him back playing again for the Pels. Yeah, Herb uh, played in a, a Stafford game um, pretty recently here, which is basically just like a five-on-five simulated game the Pelicans have after practice. That's that's a pretty good indicator that a guy is close. So I think, you know, if we don't see him tonight in Orlando, and I think there's a really good chance he plays in Miami, I would I would personally be surprised if, if we don't see Herb on this road trip. Okay, so that – that's a positive sign. Let's go to Zion. Uh, we when he hurts the hamstring there at the end of that play, you know we get told he'll be reevaluated in three weeks. And well, those three weeks have come and gone, and he's still not out there. Hamstrings are tricky, very tricky because you can reaggravate it and make it worse. And usually, it's just rest is how that works to rehab from a hamstring injury. What's the latest that you know? about the health of Zion Williamson and when we could expect to see him back? So it hasn't been three weeks just yet. Tuesday, Tuesday is the three-week mark for him. Okay. Um, I imagine you know, some, sometime middle of next week, the Pelicans will you know, give, give some sort of official update. I mean, everything I've heard is, like, I think it's, he's progressing well, but I wouldn't expect him back by the middle of next week or anything like that. Um, you know, I think... Like the the initial timeline Woj put on it when the injury happened was probably at least a month, and I would I would say that's accurate. You know, I think it'll be probably a, around a month at least before 
Z is back on the court. So we're thinking what, after the All-Star break? Yeah, I mean, the, the one-month mark, one mark gets you into February. The All-Star break's middle of February. So, I mean, look, I, I think there's a chance we see him before the All-Star break. Um, oh, really? I think, okay. I think he, yeah, I mean, I, I think he wants, like, I think he wants to play in the All-Star game. I mean, I, I think he would like to be featured on that stage. Um, but I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. I mean, it's it's gone well, I, I think, like the rehab so far. And, like, he's still connected with the team and all that. Like, it's really – it's not like all all the injury situations with Zion before, as, as far as I could tell. Like, this, is, this has been positive stuff so far. So we're two for two with positive news from you, Christian. Herb, you expect to maybe see back this weekend. Zion, he's still connected to the team, and you may you think you may even be able we may be able to see him even before the All Star break. I, I think it'll be after, but I love the positivity. Okay, so you're two for two. What about Bi? Because this is the one that worries me the most. This is the one that I go, oh, it it, it has a feeling of never quite getting right, and maybe Bi doesn't play at all this season. I, I'm not a pessimistic, I, a pessimistic person. It's just, I don't know, there's something about this nagging toe injury that has me concerned. Are you going to make me feel not as concerned? I mean, he's, he's definitely going to play again this season. Um, and I think why is there's nothing structurally wrong with his foot. Okay. Right? I mean, you know, when, when this injury occurred the day after Thanksgiving, it's been that long, almost eight weeks now. Good Lord. Uh, you know, the Pelicans <laughs> put him in the x-ray machine. They put him in the MRI machine. There was there was no toe sprain. You know, toe sprains can be difficult injuries. Desmond Bain of the Memphis Grizzlies is, is dealing with one. And, yep. You know, he missed 17 games. This is 27 for BI. But Des- Desmond Bain has said, hey, look, I, I'm just going to have to play through a lot of pain for the rest of the season, and I might have to get a procedure after the season is done. Well, BI doesn't have that. There's no, nothing structurally wrong with the foot. Um, I mean, maybe there is some discomfort, but there's, you know, like it's not like Zion last year, he come back from a broken foot, right? Like if he, if he came back too early, he could re-break it and that would be catastrophic. Like there's nothing like that going on. So, I mean, I will definitely see him back in the floor of the season and, and hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. I like that. So you, you, you're giving me some optimism here. You're, still, you're telling me that you expect to see B.I. this season, which is – which is a good, uh, which is a good sign. So, all right. What does this team, how it's currently constructed? You know, I know Zion's not there. I know Bi's not there. What's the th- the one thing that is contributing to them dropping too many of these games? So, is it something fundamentally just about the game of basketball itself that they don't do good enough, Christian? Yeah, the guys who make the most money on the team never play. I mean, that's the biggest reason. I mean, Brandon Ingram has missed 44% of the team's regular season games the last two years. Uh, This will be game number 27 for him this season. 27 is one-third of the regular season. Brandon Ingram has missed one-third of the regular season with what the team has called a toe contusion. (sighs) Is this franchise just snake-bidden? I mean, I hate to say it that way, but it's always something. Like, if Zion was going to be back this year and it was going to be great, and what, we've had nine games, Christian, of the starting five of B.I., Zion, C.J., Herb, and uh, Valachunas, right? We've only had nine of those games? 
10. Oh, there we go, 10. Yeah. Oh, man. They just, it's always something. <laughs> it's always, it's just always something. And it's always the most random, freakish thing, right? It's, it's, it's always, uh, it's always something. Let me ask you this, though. CJ McCollum, in my opinion, is playing like an all star. He's put this team on his back. He's become more of an offensive player, especially with B.I. and Zion out. Does he deserve, in your opinion, to be an all-star this year? I mean, I I think he's certainly in the conversation. Um, I personally have a hard time getting there all the way just because, I mean, there are so many good guards in the West. I mean, I know. Luka Doncic is basically a guard. He'll be a starter. You know, your other starter you could go with. John Morant, you could go with Devin Booker, you could go with Steph Curry, uh, you've also got Damian Lillard. Um, I just I just think it's going to be difficult for him. Um, he started the year a little bit slowly, but it's come on really strong. Um, you know, I, I think he's on the outside looking in. But uh, did you did you happen to see his response when asked, uh, you know, if it'd be meaningful for him to, to play in the game? No, I didn't, I, I didn't catch that. Oh, he said, uh, well, I, I get paid like an all-star. You know, on, on the first and the fifteenth, I get paid like one, so I'm good either way. So. That's a good answer. That's that's a, that's a that that's a veteran answer there uh, all day long. Uh, Christian, appreciate your time as always, brother. Thank you for uh, waking up early and making time for us. And we'll talk to you soon, but enjoy your weekend. Bye, man. Hey, appreciate it. Christian Clark out there giving us some positive news. Herb Jones could be back this weekend. Zion could be back before the All-Star break. And he says Brandon Ingram should play. But he did also point out that a player suffering a far worse injury has missed less time and is already back playing for one of their rivals. Eh. <laughs> eh. Just saying. Just gonna, it gives me a little pause there. Is it a mental thing now with B.I.? You know, that's what you got to worry about there. You know what you never have to worry about? Great customer service, great selection when it comes to marble countertops with Lafayette Marble and Granite. They offer the largest selection of granite quartz and marble here in Acadiana, and they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. Look, they earned my wife and I's business a few years ago when we did our bathroom remodel. Got the exact marble that my wife wanted, the exact cut she wanted. Customer service was tremendous. Pricing was great as well. And look, LMG provides more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, bathrooms, and man caves. They also now have an extensive selection of custom shower builds with a new line of grout-free showers. Make sure to visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and great products they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com. Or stop by their soon-to-be or has been renovated showroom rather located right there on I-49 North across from the Hub City Ford and the Jockey Lot. It's Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business and trust me, earn it they will. We got to take a time out when we return. We'll update that poll question of the day. Want to get a phone call in? We can do that as well. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. There are two types of sports reporters. Those who are respected for their ability at building relationships with coaches and players. And here's our game plan. 
Then there are those whose method of reporting is getting hammered with a college football team and Pat O's. We're going streaking! We'll let you guess which one RP3 is. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The LSU women's basketball team gets a hard-fought win last night in the PMAC against Arkansas. Came up big. Angel Reese pulled down her 19th rebound late in that ballgame, less than a minute to go after a missed three-point attempt by Arkansas. Then the freshman, Thomas, made four free throws in the final 30 seconds to be able to seal up the victory there. The Raging Cajuns Men and women both got themselves wins last night. The women take down Old Dominion inside the Cajun Dome, close out the game on a 10-2 run to secure the win. Despite committing 27 turnovers, Gary Broadhead's team picks up the dub. That's all that matters. Even on a sloppy night, where 17 of those turnovers occurred in the first half, they still found a way to win the ball game. And that's all that matters. And they're going to be gearing up for Arkansas State on Saturday inside the Cajun Dome. Speaking of those Red Wolves, the men's team hosted the Raging Cajun men in Jonesboro, a place that's been notoriously difficult for Bob Marlin's team to go up and win at. Well, that's exactly what they did. They led from start to finish. Jordan Brown, another 30-point game. He had a double-double. Thelma's folks had a double-double as well as he had 11 assists on the night as they picked up a road win, and now they've won five in a row. The Cajuns began conference play with back-to-back losses to Coastal Carolina and Old Dominion, but since then, five straight victories. And they'll try to wrap up their road trip with yet another win when they go to Texas State on Saturday in lovely San Marcos. The McNeese men and women, they were taking on the Nichols Colonels. And the men, the woes continue to pile up, unfortunately, for John Aiken's team. They have to play Nichols twice this season, twice this week, rather, because of the scheduling quirks to the season. That occurred because of the addition of Lamar at the last minute right before the start of football season. They had to reshuffle everything for the conference. So that's why you have this weird quirk where you're playing the same team in the same week. So they'll play Nichols at Nichols on Thursday, and then they'll turn around and host Nichols on Saturday. But for the men's basketball team, they've now lost four in a row. They fall to 5-14 and 14 overall, 2-4 and four in conference play as they drop last night's game 73-64 to on the road. And unfortunately for the Cowboys, they began conference play promising. Back-to-back wins against Lamar, a convincing win at Lamar, 81-62, and then they beat Northwestern State on Joe Dumars' day, 92-77. to But since that victory on Joe Dumars' day, Overtime loss to Texas A&M Commerce. 
more than a 10-point loss at Northwestern State, a 9-point loss against Houston Christian, and now a 9-point loss against Nichols. John Aiken made the decision to go to that small ball lineup. It worked for a little while, but teams are countering, and right now McNeese is struggling. They'll get back into action on Saturday when they host Nichols at the Legacy Center. That'll be at 3.30 p.m. as the Cowpokes look to try to turn things around once again. 5-14 and 14 overall, 2-4 and four in conference play, and they've lost four straight games, all of those being in the Southland Conference. As for the McNeese women, they were in action last night as well. And now they're 6-11. and 11. They've won back-to-back games, and they improved to 503-3 in conference play as they were able to pick up a hard-fought 77-68 win on the road. The two teams are going in a little bit of opposite directions right now. It's still early. Once again, it's only January 20th. But these two teams going to have to keep improving. And the bigger thing is, once again, the basketball tournaments are hosted at the Legacy Center. You got to make sure that you qualify for the conference tournament, which you're hosting on campus. And you'd like to try to improve your seating. That way you're not the eighth team in and having to face the best team in the conference right off the bat. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and company, we're going to be talking with Rocky Musgraves. He's the athletic director and the baseball coach for the Millers. Oh, that's right. John Melvin University, a brand new college being created, being launched in Crowley. We're going to talk about that. The challenges of creating an athletic department from scratch and launching multiple sports, basketball, baseball, softball and guess what football is coming in the fall we're going to talk about it all with rocky that's coming up next right here on the game southwest louisiana sports station and your home for the lsu tigers and the world series champion houston astros rp3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the atlanta braves just like his hero dale murphy i wanted to grow up and be dale murphy little raymond though wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beamed twice in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. There is something being built in Crowley that you need to know about. There has been a school that has been created. All right, that's the first part. That's not typically uncommon, right? Schools get created here and there, junior colleges, things of that nature. So that's not exactly, I don't know, groundbreaking, if you will. But John Melvin University has been now established Students are attending classes over in Crowley. But in addition to the university being launched and giving 
area young men and women an opportunity for a Christian education. They also have decided to launch multiple athletic programs, basketball, baseball, softball, and they're launching football in the fall. And the man in charge of all of this, who also serves as not only as John Melvin University's athletic director, but also as its head baseball coach, joins us now to tell us all about it. Rocky Musgraves is our guest. Coach, thank you for making the time, brother. How are you? No, no, no. Thank you for having us. Uh, we're just really excited to be uh, be on your show and let everybody know about John Melvin University. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about this because I actually came across it, Rocky, uh, on, online first of all, and then uh, know a person that knows your uh, your basketball coach, one of your basketball coaches. So I was did a little research. I was like, wow, this is really cool that this has been launched, and typically. The university gets established for a little while before athletics becomes a huge part of it, but you guys are doing a very ambitious thing where the university has been launched and athletics is being launched right along with it. I know you're a veteran coach and we're going to get into your career, but how much of a challenge is doing all of that at once? No, I mean, it's it's a great challenge, you know, to fast track the university's athletic program like we have is it's been a great undertaking, and, and we've had some birth pains, but I would definitely say we've had a lot more celebrations uh, so far than birth pains. The community has welcomed us with open arms. Uh, we've got uh, the teams that you talked about right now, the men's soccer team, uh, softball, baseball, men's basketball. Um, so we're going strong with those. And like I said, there has been a few birth pains, but there's just been a lot more celebrations so far. So what's – one of the initial things that you have to do, I mean, it, you're, you're starting from scratch, right? So not only is the university right. being, but you're starting these athletic programs from scratch. You don't have any existing players. You have to hire coaches. Uh, there's a, a ton to do scheduling, uniforms, you know, meals, the whole nine yards. So what's the first thing you do when you were hired as athletic director and as a baseball coach, what was one of the first things that you had to do to start establishing things and start establishing the structure, the foundation, if you will, the framework of how you guys are going to run athletics? Right. Well, one of the first things we had to do was get some type of vision. Okay, where do we want to go? What level do we want to play at? What is going to be our mission here? Uh, you know, there's a lot of different things you can do with an athletic program. It can be a program that that just cares about winning only or it can be a program for development. We had to decide those things. And then we had to get coaches in place. And not only do you get coaches in place, you have to get the right coaches in place, which I, I definitely think that we are doing right now. You have, to people that, you have to get people that fit with the mission of the university and what our goals of a university are. You have to set up uh, processes for purchasing, you know, getting equipment for recruiting, for signing players, for letter of, letters of intent. Yeah, so there's a lot of balls in the air uh, at, at one time, but I, I think we're getting a pretty good handle on it right now. Our staff uh, that we've got right now is probably the strength of our university along with the students that we've got. Uh, we've been able to combine academics, athletics, and the spiritual component, I think, right away, which has been a little bit easier than I thought it was going to be, actually, and I think that's a tribute to the people that we have working at the university, as well as our as our student body, you talk about a family. I mean, the, you know, I get to go to work every day, 
you know, with a with hundred of my best friends. And uh, that makes everything go a lot easier. You know, you, you ask, what, what do I do to get this going? You know what I do is I depend on all these students and our staff to do it, you know, almost for me. I mean, it's, it's a team effort. And uh, that's what has made this thing just such an, such an awesome undertaking so far. Coach, you have your basketball programs. You said men's soccer, right, and then baseball and softball. And that's where Correct. you go. And so where are you guys playing your games with a university that has just been launched? Uh, where are you guys playing your set events for all those sports if people want to go and come out and support what you guys are doing? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, first I'll speak to uh, baseball since I'm the head baseball coach. We uh, play our games over at Miller Stadium. And for people that haven't uh, been out there for a while, they've revamped a lot of it. There's AstroTurf on the field. It's just a great venue for college sports. Our softball team plays right next door at one of the Parks and Rec AstroTurf fields there. Our uh, basketball team right now, is uh, accessing the Northside Christian Gymnasium, and those people over there have been wonderful uh, hosts for us. And we've had some home games, and actually we've drawn really well um, at that gymnasium. Our soccer team is also practicing over at uh, the Crowley uh, Parks Complex over there, and we're actually in the process of developing a facility uh, for them. So that's kind of where we're at right now. We're, we're building a lot of this stuff on the go right now, which takes a lot of patience by our coaches and our, our players. But, you know, our play, they don't complain. You know, they, they, they've just been so great so far helping us build this thing. They're not just students at the, this university. They're pioneers. They're helping us build this. And, and they just had such a, a great giving attitude so far. We're talking with Rocky Musgraves. He's John Melvin University's athletic director as well as – it's head baseball coach. He joins us here in RP3 and company. You guys are going to be ambitious in launch football in the fall. What is that going to look like, and where are you guys going to be playing those games? Okay. Um, right now we're in the process, hopefully here real soon, of naming the head coach. We've got recruiters in line that have been out evaluating film, visiting with uh, student athletes, uh, You know, getting our football program ready i think the uh naming of the head football coach here real soon is going to be a big advance for our university we'll be playing at the um and the name is is i'm not remembering the name right now the same place where all the local uh, crowley high schools play over at that stadium with plans of developing a stadium at a later date hopefully with turf and things like that uh so that's in our plans right now yeah the the, the football uh it is very ambitious but so far, with the luck we've had with the other sports, we think that uh, this is definitely something that uh, we can do. And so far, the uh, community of Crowley has been all in and helping us out, um, and our, as well as our staff. So we definitely think that we can get this done. We've already uh, received several commitments. Uh, we've had some big recruiting events with kids from all over the state. I mean, you know, every corner as well as some of the uh, outlying uh, states around us like Texas and Mississippi, they've come in. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting right now. There's there's a whole lot of interest in John Melvin football. Coach, what conference or affiliation or level are you guys going to be 
starting here with your athletics and what's the goal? Is it to eventually get to being a straight up NIIA like you experienced years ago when you were at LSU Shreveport? Is it thinking maybe being like a Division three program like Louisiana Christian University, formerly Louisiana College is at? Uh, what's what's the game plan? What's the vision there with conference affiliation and the level of play for college athletics? Yeah, great question. <clears throat> right now we're looking at next year joining the, uh, the what they call the United Small College Athletic Association. Okay. Um, and, and, and we'll do that for a year while we get everything in place just so our, our athletes can play for, you know, a national championship. And then hopefully the following year after that, uh, we would like to be in the NAIA, uh, and more specifically, maybe the Red River Conference, which is a possibility for us. And that's LSU Alexandria, Louisiana Christian, LSU Shreveport, uh, schools like that. So right now, that's the direction that we are heading. Now, our football program next year will play more this first season, which is this fall, will play more of a JV-type schedule. Right. And eventually, we'd like to get them into the NAIA as well. Uh, I think the closest conference right now for them uh, would be the Sooner Athletic Conference, which is a lot of Oklahoma and Texas and a couple Louisiana schools. So right now, that's our plan. It's a good plan. You know, Scenari's developing, bringing football back as well. And so there's a lot of right. uh, a lot of activity here across the state. I want to talk a little bit about uh, your career you had an immense amount of success every stop you've been at. You had that great run there when you were uh, the skipper of the Pilots, winning nearly 600 games, taking them to the NIA College World Series three times, and uh, had 10 40-plus win seasons there at LSUS. Great career, plenty of accomplishments. What made you come here to Crowley and to take on this ambitious project as the athletic director and the head baseball coach at John Melvin University? Well, that that's an interesting question. You know, I got out of the game for four years to be dad and make sure that, you know, my kids uh, got through high school. And um, I just – I needed to get off the road for a little bit. And then I've always been somebody that's just kind of followed my heart, and this is definitely a God thing. I just felt a calling when I heard about this. I, I just – kind of called down here and wanted to hear more about it. I was interested in getting back into to coaching. I was running the Parks and Rec Department up in Menden, Louisiana, uh, while I was being a husband and a father. And uh, I called, and there was an assistant. There was an opening for an assistant baseball coach, and uh, I just took the leap of faith, prayed about it, and it, I, I just felt like, you know, this is something God wanted me to do. And I've uh, tried to live my life you know, um, like that. And I, I took the, took the leap and my, my family's still up in Northern Louisiana and we're going to move down here in June and get the whole family down here. So definitely, definitely a leap of faith. Where can people go to find out more information about all the John Melvin university athletics schedules and everything like that coach? Okay. Uh, Right now, if they uh, go to our uh, website for John Melvin University, you can see everything from um, uh, the classes we offer, the majors we offer, the sports we offer. And uh, pretty soon we will be joining Sidearm Sports. We've signed a contract with them where they will be uh, housing our website and helping us with that. And then there will, of course, be a lot more information 
um, as well as, and I should have the phone number in hand, but I don't. If you go online, you can find that phone number. But, yeah, John Melvin University and uh, our website can pretty much tell you everything you need. But uh, please don't hesitate to call us. Our staff is there to answer questions. And uh, I tell you what, it's really easy on me as a recruiter when I have a staff like this. Uh, you, you call those people in the front office, and they'll have you running to JMU. I love that. I love that. Uh, real quick, Coach, when you open up the season for baseball, when, and when's the, when you guys open up the season and when's your home opener? Well, you know, this, <laughs> this is so funny. So uh, we've had to put together a schedule pretty quickly. And uh, so right away I moved uh, back down here and I thought, I'm going to call my old stomping grounds, John Melvin, or uh, LSU Shreveport. So we're actually going to open up uh, the 28th at LSU Shreveport, the number four ranked team in the country, and uh, kind of use that as a measuring stick of see, seeing where we're at and where we need to be. Coach? Appreciate your time, as always. Can't wait to talk to you throughout the season and for the years to come. Uh, congratulations on the new gig, and best of luck uh, this coming season and with all the sports over there at John Melvin University. Thank you for the time. No, thank you. Really appreciate it. That's Coach Rocky Musgraves. He's the athletic director and head baseball coach for John Melvin University. Once again, they launched the school in the summer. <laughs> in the summer, and they've already are, are being – very ambitious with the athletic programs that they're launching, basketball, soccer, baseball, softball. They're going to do football in the fall right down the road in Crowley. So exciting things going on in Acadia Parish. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll wrap up today's show, finalize the poll question of the day, and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's all next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything, but you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, now that you scored yourself an Amazon Alexa or Google Home smart speaker, you can use it to listen to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that simple. Just ask it to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you may go. I want to take a moment to thank all of our guests. Eric Branch from the San Francisco Chronicle, 49ers beat writer, helping us preview 49ers Cowboys. Christian Clark from the Advocate and NOLA.com, talking all things New Orleans Pelicans. And Rocky Musgraves, the new head baseball coach and athletic director for John Melvin University over in Crowley. Poll question of the day. We asked you, oh, what do you think of old Pete Carmichael? He's coming back for another year. Gotta love that. How do you feel about the Saints offense with Pete Carmichael as OC? 68% of you say it's terrible. Go follow Peyton. 22% say, eh, had too many injuries. 10% say, great, we have continuity. So, congratulations 
to all who voted on our poll question of the day. Thank you for that and hope we got you prepared for the weekend. Boom. It's all about the interaction. People feel good interacting with us, so it's a congratulations. You feel better knowing that you're being congratulated for something heading into the weekend. That's what we do here, trying to make people feel better. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again on Monday, 6 to 9. We'll try to be better. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote in Footnotes is up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.